This morning we're back into our series of messages entitled Rebuild, and we're going to be completing this series at the end of the month. And I'm going to tell you next week what we're doing to follow. So it's going to be fun. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. All that to say, Rebuild is a study through Nehemiah. Nehemiah was tasked by God to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. All of us at some point in our life are in the process of rebuilding something, okay? (laughs) Whether it's a physical rebuild or whether it is a spiritual rebuild. We have relationships that sometimes kind of take, they go sideways on us and we have to rebuild our life. We have to rebuild that relationship. There's a lot of different rebuilds. So we've been talking about this for the number of weeks. Today, we're going to talk about uh, what I'll just call by the book, by the book. Now, if you were to just go and start doing some research on how-to books, how-to resources, oh, there's tens of thousands of all kinds of resources out there to help us to do how to do things, okay? How to do things. YouTube is an incredible source of how-to. You can follow along on YouTube and do whatever. But I found five books that I thought were interesting on how-tos, all right? Here's the first one. How to Pay Zero Taxes. Now, I would imagine everybody would go, ooh, I kind of like that idea. Kind of like that. Hey, listen, I want to, whatever the government is owed, I will pay. No worries. But if I don't have to pay, I'm not going to pay, right? Just want to be honest. That's just being honest. Here's another one. (laughs) You You may need this. How to sharpen pencils. I don't know that I actually need that, but there you go. If, the, if you need to, there's a book on how to sharpen pencils. There's another one on how to babysit a grandpa. Now, that is something that maybe my grandchildren would really like to figure out, how to babysit a grandpa. Here's another one I thought was really good, how to break up with your phone. Now, the reason I put that one in, the last week I talked about that we interact with our phones about three hours and 45 minutes a day on average. Oh my goodness, yeah, and so it probably wouldn't hurt for us to learn how to break up with our phones. And one more, if you've ever wondered how to do things, here is a book on how to do things. Whatever things are, there is a book for it. So the point being is there are lots of how-tos available. But what if we decided to, and here's the, here's the idea is you've probably heard the phrase, by the book. So what does it mean to do something by the book? Well, we're going to talk about the book of books. We're going to talk about how to live our life by the book. And I'm absolutely convinced that if we live our lives according to the book of books, God's word, something dynamic in our life is going to happen. In fact, I would say it this way. In every rebuild, regardless of what we are rebuilding, doing it by the book is your key to success. The scriptures, do this by the book, do life by the book, success is on, is on the horizon for you and for me. So we want to talk about that for a little while this morning. In September of 2020, uh, the American Bible Society did a study. They do this every year. They call it the state of the Bible. And they, they've been doing it for about 10 years. And here's what they discovered this last year, that only 9%. of Americans read their Bible on a daily basis. 9% of Americans. Now that's inclusive of those who are Christ followers and those who are not. 9%. And not only that, it's the lowest figure in 10 years. And in fact, a period of time between 2011 and 2019, the average number is about 13.7% of the American population would read their Bibles daily. They took a 5% decrease in one year, which is startling. 
A downward turn in reading of Scripture. So the national statistics say it like this. The people who read their Bibles more than four times a week is 3%. Several times is 10%. Once a week is 9 Once a month is 9%. Three to four times a year is 8%. 11% do it once a year. And 34% never read their Bible. Ever. Now I look at those statistics and I, I, I can immediately say this. No wonder our nation is in such difficulty because we are not living by the book. We're not living by the book. And that includes those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ. If we're not living by the book, if we're not, if we're not investing in the book, no wonder we're having difficulties. And I think the statistics bear that out. But that's the bad news. There, are, there is some good news. How many of you have on your smartphones, some of you are even looking at them now, have you version on your smartphones or devices? Let me see your hands. Okay. If you don't, do it. Get it done. Get it on there. You need it. Because even if you're commuting, go to version and hit the listen feature and you can listen to whatever you want to listen. It's all there. It's all there for you. version was created by uh, Bobby Grunwald, who is a part of a great church in Oklahoma City. And he did it absolutely free. It's absolutely free. If you need it, it's available to you. Now, here's what's cool. In 2020, they had the largest increase they had ever experienced, an 80% increase in, in views, resources from Uversion, ever. 80% over 2019. It went up 80%. In 2020, they had 600 million people do something to research the Bible on some topic. Now that is extraordinary, and that is a reason to rejoice, because the scriptures still provide for us a pathway, a source of help. In fact, if you look back at those searches, here are the most popular searches, fear, faith, peace, hope, justice, healing, and love. Doesn't that sound a little bit like 2020? Of all of the collapse when the world ended in 2020, That's what people were looking for. And the favorite verse that was downloaded and researched was this, Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And Bobby Grunwald, who is the creator of Uversion, said this. They reveal, these searches reveal how people are seeking God as they wrestle with the difficult circumstances they faced in 2020, and that's something we can celebrate. You see, living by the book is possible. Living by the book is a key to your and my success. So I wonder, what might we learn about living by the book? Because revival, and that's a word that I use, uh, I wanna use guardedly, because I think sometimes there's a little bit of a misunderstanding as to what it means. But listen, revival revival occurs as God ignites the fire of his word and mobilizes his people. You notice something about that phrase. That phrase does not speak to the world at large. It speaks to the people of God. Revival starts with the people of God. Awakening comes to the people of God who do not know Christ. Because when God's spirit ignites 
the word of God in our lives, we take God's word to those who have yet to hear and it awakens the society around us. So living by the book for a follower of Christ is essential. It's your key to success and it is the beginning of an awakening within our country. It has to start with you and me. And it begins by living by the book, by the book. We're going to talk about that this morning. So we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 7, just a portion of the last verse of chapter 7, and then chapter 8. Now, I'm going to give a disclaimer. Here's the disclaimer. Besides besides Moses, Ezra, and Nehemiah, there are 26 different Bible names in this portion of Scripture. If I mess them up, I mess them up. If you pronounce them differently, that's perfectly okay. I'm going to do my very best to not mess them up too badly, okay? All right, feel better now. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 73. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand. Now all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the teacher of the law stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. On his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Okay. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And on, as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the, the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Joshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Sabathiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah <sighs> instructed the people in the law while, they were, while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving, it, giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. When Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles and palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out 
and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs and their courtyards on the courts of the house of God in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, as were read from the book of the law of God, they celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Father, thank you for your word. Speak life and encouragement and help to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The walls and the gates are completed. And now the next thing is they build this large platform. And Ezra gets on top of this and he begins to read the law of God. And from that, what do we learn? We learn some principles about living by the book. So I want to give you four words about living by the book and then some application of that. The first word is this, enthusiasm, enthusiasm. The people came together and they asked Ezra, would you read from the book of the law? Now just think about that. I think back to when I would maybe as a child, I'd ask my mom or my dad, would you read me a story? Or maybe as now as a grandfather, I have, two, I have a bunch of grands, which I'm grateful for those. My littlest one, one of my littlest ones asked me, people, would you read me a story? So I grab a book and start reading it. And then she lasts about 15 seconds and we're on to something else. My point being is that she's excited about it, wanting to have a story read. That's kind of what happens here. There's enthusiasm. They gather together as one in front of the water gate in this place of the center of life. And they said, now, Ezra, read to us from the law of God. They were enthusiastic about it. I wonder who is the person in your life who you know to be enthusiastic. They are compelling people to be around. Because when you get around them and they are enthusiastic, you're just kind of, life is better around them. Everything about it is better. I remember a young lady who was our camp nurse at a royal family that we did a whole bunch of years ago. And I'm telling you, she was enthusiastic. She had a smile that just went ear to ear. She was bubbly, effervescent in every possible way. She was enthusiastic. And then you give her a candy bar and some caffeine, and it goes off the charts. So what we decided to do, she said, I, can't, I really can't do this. And she's talking really fast, and she's just bubbling over. And she said, I really shouldn't eat candy and drink caffeine. So what we tried to do all week was give her candy and caffeine just to get her back up there because it was so much fun to watch her and to experience her enthusiasm about everything. You know, I wonder, are we as enthusiastic Are we as enthusiastic about God's word as we are the opening day of baseball season? Are we as enthusiastic about God's word as we are? Where are we going to go for lunch today? Think about it. Enthusiasm for the word of God. You see, unless we have enthusiasm, we're not going to want to be in the presence or to even have the word of God read. We're not going to invest the time that is necessary. We're not going to open up our hearts and our minds unless we're enthusiastic. Jeremiah is a great illustration of this. He had all kinds of difficulties as he just gave the word of the Lord to the people. Listen to what we read in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse number 9. Sometimes, sometimes I tell myself not to think about you, Lord. Or even mention your name, but your message burns in my heart and bones, and I cannot be silent. Are you, are you and I as enthusiastic about the the words of the Lord as we should be? Because, you see, living by the book is where is our key to success. 
and it requires enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Well, the second word is the word practical. Practical. I love the way this just unfolds. You, you see that the characterization of, of what Nehemiah writes is it says, men and women and all who could understand. So there's a real practicality to this. And then you see the words, or where it took place, was the Watergate. The Watergate was a kind of the regular, kind of the regular center of life in Jerusalem. And that's really significant. It is all-inclusive. Everybody's involved. Everybody's available. It's just, or rather, everybody is, is here and ready. So the first thought about it, it's practical because it's available. It's available to everyone. The water gate says it's not in the temple. It's not in a sacred space. It is out in the open. God's word is applicable and available in every arena of your life, whether it's at work, whether it is at play, whether it's at home, it's in business, wherever it is, God's word is available to you. Romans chapter 10 says it so well. Paul says, as the scripture says, and listen to all the words in here, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. That scripture says anyone because there is no difference between those who are Jews and those who are not. The same Lord is the Lord of all and gives many blessings to all who trust in him. As the scripture says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the word of the Lord is available to everyone. That's why it's, pr it's practical, because it's available. The second is it is practical because it's understandable. On five different occasions in this story, you see the word understand, or some means by which we can understand the word of God. You know, the word of God is understandable. It is something we can comprehend. Now, since I've been out of high school, which has just been a very short period of time, very few years, why are you laughing? Oh, no. I know why you're laughing. It makes perfect sense. I don't think I've ever, ever solved an algebra equation since the day I left high school. Now, maybe, now maybe I have in a practical way, but I don't know how that is. And if you're a mathematics person and can explain that to me, I don't really care. Uh, but... <laughs> My, my point is I don't think I've ever solved an algebra equation since I left high school. But I do know this. I do know the moment sitting in algebra class when it clicked. I went, that's it. And I was off and running. And, it, and it, it just clicked. It was an aha moment. You see, God's word is the same. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, lives in you, and will allow the Word of God to come alive in your life. You'll have aha moment after aha moment because of God, His presence in you. By the book, living is absolutely, is absolutely possible. It's, the Word of God, it's understandable because of that. So powerful, such a great truth. Psalm 119 as people understand your word, it brings light to their lives. Your word makes even simple people wise. I'm telling you, I love that simple people thing. Okay? I'm all over that because I kind of characterize, my, I'm a simple guy. I, I love the fact that I can receive the wisdom of the ages as I open God's word. It's understandable. The reason it's practical as well is because it's relatable. It's relatable. You notice that the gathering of the people took place at the water gate, the center of life. Not in the temple, not in a sacred space, but in the real world where people live, work, and play. God's word, hear this, God's word relates well in real time 
and in the real world. This is not a book that is so set apart from and aside from real life. This is real life. These are real people, real challenges, real victories. This is something that you can live your life by and find success when we live by the book. Proverbs 1 verse 20. Listen, wisdom is calling out in the streets and marketplaces, calling loudly at the city gates wherever people come together. God's word is available, practical, and it's relatable. Third word is the word attentive. Attentive. Giving attention to something. Ezra, <laughs> Ezra read from the book of the law. Listen to this. He read from the book of the law from daybreak until noon. Come on now, think about the math here. Not algebra, by the way. Simple math. Daybreak until noon. It could have been as much as six hours. It might have been more than six hours. This is the seventh month of the year. It's in September-ish, the seventh month of the Jewish year. September-ish, so the days are still a little longer. Now, I just mentioned a minute ago that we have a couple little grands. We have, we have seven grands, and our, we, our two littlest are three and one. Okay. Now, they have appropriate attention spans for a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It's appropriate. I don't expect them to sit down and read, you know, Tolstoy's War and Peace and be absolutely enthralled by it all. It's not going to happen. I get that. It's not what I'm thinking. But it's interesting to me that if I go to an Avengers movie and it pushes two hours, I might start losing a little bit of attention span. Some of us, we can hold longer with certain things than we can others. I get it. I wonder how would we be doing with six hours of Ezra reading the law of God. From daybreak until noon, he continually read the word of God. Now, I know it was a different culture, a different time. I get all of that. But understand, they listened attentively to what was being read. That is powerful. And I wonder, how attentive am I when God's word is read? How attentive am I when I am reading God's word? How attentive am I when I am meditating on God's word? Am I letting God's word get down into my heart and make the changes and the difference that are so desperately needed so that I'm living by the book? Am I attentive to the word of the Lord? You see, there was an urgency, a vitality and an urgency about their listening. These were Babylonian. They had been enculturated with Babylon's culture and worldview, Persian culture and worldview. They had come out of that. They did not understand what was here. They, they were wanting to understand. Teach us, Ezra. Teach us. We want to know what it is. So they listened attentively. And I will tell you that living by the book is going to require you and I to be attentive to the word of God Understand, our daily reading of Scripture will only be of minimal worth if it becomes a mere habit undertaken hurriedly, mechanically, or half-heartedly. When we open God's Word, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, or whenever it may be, if we're reading through it because we're just doing our duty, we're just checking the box for the day, we just got to get this many done. We've got to read that one, but we got to get that done. 
Are we really living by the book? Are we really allowing God's word to get deep into our hearts? Are we reading attentively, listening attentively? Are we meditating on God's word attentively? Matthew 7, 24. All who listen to my instructions, Jesus said, and follow them are wise. Attentive listening. And the last word is honor. Honor. It's really interesting. I love this portion of scripture and how and how Nehemiah kind of characterizes it for us. It's really, really good. We see this platform built, and, we see, and it was built for that occasion. They had just finished building, rebuilding the walls and gates, and, and now they, they gather together, and this platform has been built, and Ezra's on top of it with you know, some, Levites on, some Levites on one side and one on the other. It could have been to give him physical support during reading for six hours. I can't even imagine they might have, I don't know this, there's nothing to indicate that it would be the case. Some of them may have pitched in and read for a few moments while he got a drink of water or rested or something and then came back and continued. I don't know that, but you can see the scene. But here's the thing that always strikes me, literally every time I read it, here's what we see. Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Even though they had come out of a culture that was so foreign in many respects to being the people of God. And maybe not a complete understanding of even the law. But now they've asked, Ezra, read us the law. They listened attentively. But when he opened the book, they stood up in honor of the word of God. The word of God was so precious to them. Even though they had just maybe remedial knowledge of it. It was precious. They honored the word. It moves me every time I read it. So I really come with a question. In what ways do I honor and then respond to the word of God? Because you see, when they honor the word, there was, there's a response that happens. One of them is they stood. But it's more than that. It's more than that. So I want to give you just a few thoughts about how they responded to the word. The first one is this. They were prompted to worship. When God's word was read, it led them to worship God. Understand, they were not worshiping the law as it had been opened. They were not worshiping a book. They were worshiping not the written word, but they were worshiping the living word that the written word brings to life. When that happened, what did they do? They fell on their faces in worship. They lifted their hands in praise. They began to say, amen, amen. So be it, so be it, so be it. That's the response of worship to the word of God. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Even in our private times of reading scripture, listen to Revelation 7. This should prompt every one of us to worship God after this. John says, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, held palm branches in their hands. They were shouting with, great, with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and, ever, and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. There is worship 
worship around the throne of God, when the living word is present, people will worship him. And I will tell you that when the word of God, when the written word of God is preached, when it is read and the living word is made known, something should happen in our lives. We should stand to our feet. We should lift our hands. We should bow before the Lord and give him praise. He is worthy of our praise just from his word. Just from his word. How are we doing with that? How are we responding to his word? They also, they pursued clarity. You know, this is interesting to me. I said it earlier five times in this passage. I said, so that it could be understood, 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 understood. You see, God's word is understandable. The spirit of God living in you will bring it to light. We need to nurture that. And it's, under, it's so important. Listen to what we read in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 12. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made, made known to them. You see, understanding, hear this, clarity produces action. When we understand the word of God, we will act. We don't sit idly back and not do anything. No, when we understand the word, we respond, we act. And it's important that we have the opportunities to understand. Starting in May, May and June, we're going to do a shortened, a shortened life group semester. And I want to encourage everyone, if you're not in a life group, we're going to figure out ways to get you into a life group in those two months following Easter. You need to be in a place where if you have questions about the Word of God, this is a place to ask them. This is a place to grow. This is a place to understand so that when you understand, you begin to act and live by the book. Third thing, the third thing is they were sensitive to sin. They were sensitive to sin. The text says this, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So when Moses, excuse me, when Ezra is reading, people are just, they're weeping. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was convicting them of their sin. Do not, do not be afraid of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Welcome it. When the Holy Spirit begins to touch your life and tug on your life, say thank you, Jesus, for speaking to me. Thank you, Jesus, for knocking off that rough edge. Thank you, Jesus, for turning me away from something that could, could be destructive in my life. Thank you. Don't despise that. Welcome it. There's nothing more positive than the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Embrace it. They were sensitive to sin. But you see, what is so significant to me is that Scripture not only condemns sin, and it does, but it proclaims the remedy. It would be one thing that if Scripture just said, well, this is the problem, good luck with that. No, no, no. Here's the issue, but here's Jesus. He will, he is the sacrifice once and for all to forget, to bring forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Hallelujah. The, the book of Acts chapter 2, listen to this. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Exactly what happened on that day. And they said to him, and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yes, sin is revealed, but Jesus Christ is the answer to sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Also, they were strengthened with joy 
I love this. You see, when you read God's word, when you're living by the book, something could happen. There should be joy that rises up in you. Even if you have been convicted of sin, what happens is when you've been convicted of sin and you remedy sin through Jesus, the next response is, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. You have restored my life. You have restored joy to my life, and it is the strength of my life. You see, that's one of the great verses in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then they were also obedient. They were obedient. The people did what Nehemiah and the Levites said to do. There's just, it's just so simple. Now, what they did is they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you read in the text that this, the feast hadn't been celebrated like that since Joshua. I mean, <laughs> that's a really long time, okay? That's just hundreds of years they had not celebrated it like that. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was just as the text says. They were to go out and get palm branches and, and branches from trees, and they come back and build these temporary shelters. And they were to live in those temporary shelters. You say, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it is, but it was to commemorate their 40 years of wandering around in the desert. To not forget the provision of God in the middle of the most difficult circumstances. This was to remind them of that. And they were to do it for seven days, and then come on the eighth day, they were to have this great celebration. And that's exactly what they did. The obedience factor. They obeyed the word of God. They didn't just hear it, but they listened attentively and they had clarity, so they acted upon what the word had declared to them. So the question to us, are we living in obedience to the word of God? Because that's where success is actually found. It's not just reading the word, it's doing what the word says. It's living by the book. Listen to what Scripture says, Deuteronomy 13.4. You must follow the Lord your God, respect him, obey his commands, and do what he tells you. Serve the Lord, serve the Lord your God and never leave him. Jeremiah 7.23. This is what I told them, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Do everything I, as I say, and all will be well. It's pretty good, huh? The message, John 14, 21. Message paraphrase. Obey me, Jesus says. Do what I say and I'll be your God. And you'll be my people. Live the way I tell you. Do what I command so that your lives will go well. And then 1 John 2, 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how complete, how completely they love Living by the book has been in our grasp. It's absolutely an, a, a possibility if we will be willing to live according to God's word. If we'll understand that it's understandable, that it's practical, that it, we can relate to it. It's, we can have clarity brought to our lives. It's absolutely possible. So today as we close, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture together. And that Scripture is found in Psalm 119, verses 89 to 96. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand just as we did, just as you saw those in Nehemiah. They stood to their feet when the Word of God was opened. So we have stood to our feet in honor of the Word. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read it with me. I'm not going to read it to you. 
I want you to read it with me. Everybody, here we go. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 89. Ready? Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to all generations. As enduring as the earth you created. Your regulations remain true to this day. For everything serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments. For by them you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me. For I have worked hard at obeying your commands. I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. Thank you, Jesus. We give you honor and praise this morning, Lord, for your word. And we ask you, Lord, today that we would be people of the book. Lord, we live by the book. We live by the book. What an incredible opportunity for us. Because, Lord, it's really our key to success. Lord, help us to understand what's available to us. Lord, it relates with us wherever we are, whether we're at home, we're at play, wherever, at work. It's all there. Lord, I pray that we would give honor to your word. Not just lip service, not just a passing glance, but we would honor your word, respond to your word, obey your word. Thank you, Jesus. And when your word convicts us of sin, We'd respond with an ask for forgiveness, knowing that you will hear us and respond. So, Lord, let us truly live by the book. In Jesus' name, amen.